you're gonna see some black folks there, but they ain't black. <laughs> and I said, I said, what, mom? <laughs> what do you What do you mean? And she said, listen, you gonna see some niggas. Hey, <laughs> And I said, I said, what? I was I was like eleven. I was still very confused. <laughs> And then I remember getting to D.C. I would remember it vividly because this is the moment where what she said had cemented. <laughs> I was, I, I had gotten off the train, you know, trying to use a train, some, some. I get off and I see a crossing guard. Because when I'm like, y'all kind of got crossing guards? Like, who has this? I was in Columbia Heights. Um, and the man, he was black, mm-hmm. waved me through. And I was like, I was like, Thank you. Like, whatever. And then he talked in an accent. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> you were so, so. I was like, oh. Essentially, what my mom was saying is wow. that uh, all black folks aren't ADOS. Mm, this is so important. Say that again. Welcome back, listeners. It's me and Nia here with Flesh and Bold. Hey listeners, it's 2021 and we are having some fun. Yeah, so we know that we already did a January podcast to kind of review the year and kick off this one, but we also did a lot of thinking and how we want to shape this year going forward. So we're going to have a theme, I know Mia has a better word, but... I can't, it's, it's not coming to me yet. I don't know what it is. It's not mantra focus or center i don't know i don't know the word Mm. well let's share that word with us well i think we talked about having hope for this year last year was so so rough for us and for the world and we're um we're hoping that we can in our new 2021 year with our new administration really see that hope um throughout the year and also have a space on this podcast to be more vulnerable to explore topics we haven't before, even if that exposes us to some critique. Yeah, we've shared things with you that we hope challenge you and your worldview, your perspectives. And so this year, we're gonna really make an effort to also challenge ourselves um, to go in those sticky places and kind of sit in it and explore our own information that we don't know, as well as biases that we may have. Yeah, and despite popular belief, we're not perfect. We have biases, (laughs) Um, and they might come out this year a little bit. But before we start, I think that we should just give a moment of silence to Cicely Tyson, who died recently. Um, She's a black queen, broke down a lot of um, stereotypes and had roles and was in places that a lot of us... um, have not been, and thanks to her, we will be soon. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. to a black queen. So, Nevin, tell me something. Mm-hmm. Are you openly black? <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> I feel like I gotta clear my throat. Uh, am I openly black? Yeah, are you openly black? I'm not. Yeah, I would. I'm curious about what that means. <laughs> um, however, well, now I'm thinking of a, a couple of things. I'm thinking of, well, for me, like, I, 
I don't think I pass as something other than black. <laughs> I think sometimes people might think I'm maybe Dominican, but I think they still call me black. Um, yeah, I would say I'm open, openly black. I'm black, y'all. Black, black, y'all. Blackity, blackity, black. black, black. Yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, a few weeks ago, there was an article that discussed Don Lemon. He's a well-known black uh, American news anchor, and it described him as being openly black. And this just, like, set the internet on fire, and Mm. people on Twitter were like, I'm openly black. Or and other people were like, I haven't figured out how to tell my parents Mm. I'm openly black. Mm. So it brought up this huge conversation of what is black, who is black, and, and what does that mean fully, do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting coming from Don Lemon, right? He's a, he's gay as well, so I think there's some fun in mm. saying he's openly black because, like, as a, as a queer black person, it's like, are you openly queer? Mm. Um, and that specifically, I know that Don Lemon has received criticism somewhat harsh that he w- hasn't been black enough. Mm. Um, That's true. Which I think is interesting. And like the little hot takes that I've seen of him recently, it's been like a kind of ode to blackness. They've taken off or or resonated with a lot of folks because he was, it it was like this performance of blackness that I think people are used to. Mm, This performance of blackness. That's such an interesting way to describe it because, you know, it fits right into our conversation today, which I think is like, Who's black? What is blackness? How do we define that? And and what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. We're going to talk about this, especially with Black History Month. We feel mm. like uh, it's it's such a great question to ask. What is blackness? Who Who is black? Who is considered that way? Mm-hmm. Um, as we do get into Black History Month. And so this kind of question came up or gained popularity in the mainstream um, in an interesting time that I think people might not realize or consider, which was uh, the Democratic presidential nominees and out of those. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah. So this conver- uh, the question of who is black, mm. especially who is black in America, came up through a conversation around reparations. Mm. And so... This conversation um, came up because a lot of the um, Democratic nominees and people who were vying for the presidential spot Mm -hmm. took a stance on whether they would, you know, support reparations, at least the idea. And actually, there was only one nominee who didn't. Ooh. Can you guess who it was? The T. The T. We need the T. Who was it? Joe Biden. Ah, losing. I know, sadly. Losing. So at least all the other candidates, they were willing to at least study the issue of reparations Mm. if it was feasible and possible. Like have a task force or a commission or something. Exactly. They weren't necessarily saying like, okay, we're going to give all these black people a million dollars, but they were saying we're at least open to listening to what the evidence says. Exactly. And Biden was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I won't even study it. Yeah. So Biden didn't uh, support any kind of reparation. What did he say? Like, that's wild. And he's our president. So, dang, I, I don't know. I know. It's so interesting given, um, one, black folk support of Biden, right? Because he lost 
a lot of ground and didn't come back until South Carolina. Mm. A, a lot of people because of the black vote and how his presidency was really won by black women, um, specifically. Preach. <laughs> Snaps. But you know what that also makes me think of, and I know we're not having a conversation of Biden, but do you remember when he was on uh, Charlemagne? Was it Charlemagne's yep. show? And he's like, well, if you're, you know, if you're uh, not going to vote for me or something, you're not black. And it just like was like, what, Joe Biden? Yeah. So he's been in hot water before, I feel like. Yeah. And and I mean, that's a funny question because I w- it's one of those things where for me, I was like, yo, you can't say that white person. But I, as a black person, I was like, I would challenge another black person and be like, you didn't vote for Joe Biden. It's true. It's like, you can't call my mama this, but I can. Or right. you can't call my brother that, but I can't. It's the same kind of thing. Like, who's in the family, who's not. And Biden is not in the family. Yeah. So, um, it, anyway, the reparations gained a lot of, as, as we said, went mainstream and started uh, a lot of conversations that weren't, um, that hadn't been had before in certain communities. Mm. And so even um, a expert economist, um, William A. Sandy Darity Jr., was even surprised by all the kind of leeway and conversations that were going around about reparations because it was it's kind of been viewed as this... Fringe. <laughs> yeah, far out thing. But what came up during this conversation is... Who should get these reparations? <laughs> Drum roll, please. Right. And some people might think, well, black people, of mm, course. Of course. Of course. Of course. But around that time, we started to talk and conversations started to enter about ADOS. ADOS. Yeah. And this might be a new term for folks. So what does it stand for? Well, to be honest. Um, it was a new term for me. Uh, I hadn't heard of uh, ADOS, ADOS, until a student used it to me. And it's funny because as they were speaking, I kind of like played along. Uh, <laughs> like you knew course. what it was. Of course. But yeah, but I didn't. Oh, so, that's interesting. See, we're, you're being vulnerable. You're sharing what you didn't know. Yeah, of Very course. Good. Look, we're on task. We're on task. We're on mission. So what does it mean? So it means ADOS is an acronym that stands for American Descendants of Slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so each of those words is is very important. And some of the main activists of ADOS would say that um, your lineage um, and ancestors would have had to experience chattel slavery and also Jim Crow mm. for you to be considered um, an American. An ADOS. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so that's who ADOS are, um, you and I, <laughs> as, far, <laughs> as far as my knowledge goes, would be considered um, ADOS. I'm, I'm like interested in this conversation and you can tell me to like not take it there just yet, but this is a conversation that actually has been happening for a really long time, yeah. like maybe on the fringes, not necessarily in the mainstream like you're saying. But I think, you know, just thinking about my own personal experience of like what is not necessarily black, but who's African-American, right? And Mm -hmm. like going to med school, I went to an HBCU, Mm -hmm. Howard, Kamala, Go, Bisons, all of that. Um, And I think one of the things that was surprising to me, it was was a historically black college and a lot of people were black, Mm -hmm. right? 
But when I thought about how many people were ADOS, and I didn't know the term then, I mm-hmm. just thought like, like ancestors of former or slave, enslaved people, it wasn't that many of us. Mm. And so it was always interesting to me because I was like, yeah, it's a black school and there's a lot of black people here, but how many of the, those people are like truly African-American, like from descendants of slaves and experienced Jim Crow. And I don't think, honestly, it was that many. So it actually made me pretty sad about um, who had the opportunity to become a doctor. Hmm. And while, again, the minority is black Americans, even smaller group of that, I think, are African Americans. Well, and uh, it's funny because... um... A professor out of Northwestern, Dr. Alvin Bernard Tillery, uh, actually says something similar to what you're saying. Basically, this is not a new conversation. Mm. And actually, the proponents and activists of ADOS say that's one reason why we need to really specify who are who are the people getting these resources and certain allocations because even a lot of the things that were proposed in this election season and cycle to help and support um, black Americans, mm-hmm. their argument was, yeah, like giving money to HBCUs, helping um, uh, poor communities, that may help aid us, but those are also just helping black Americans who aren't descendants of slaves. Right, right. So let me ask you uh, a, a, a question I invite you to answer. Oh, I love that, demand. invite. Yes, it's an invitation, not a demand. Such a counselor. Um, When you think, and when I say, for example, I'm black, y'all, black, blackity, black, 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 Mm -hmm. do you consider uh, black American immigrants as that black? Like blackity black? Like the song blackity black? (laughs) From that? What's your reaction? Um, Is that who you picture? Maybe not. No, not in that way, but I certainly think like, Nigerian Americans are black. I don't think they're African American um, or Ghanaian Americans or Caribbean, black Caribbean folks or Afro Caribbean folks. Definitely black, black American, but not African American. And to me, many of them will be the first to tell you, like, I'm not African American. Mm. I'm so and so. I'm like Nigerian American or I am um, Ghanaian American or any of the country first and then American. So it's not like African, the whole continent and then American. So when I think of that song, I don't necessarily like conjure images of like black immigrants to America. Like Mm -hmm. I think of African-American culture, like hip hop. Mm. And I think of African-Americans that are, have had ancestors that are the descendants of slaves and chattel slavery and also Jim Crow and all of, you know, that. But also I think of people whose ancestors helped to build the U.S. And Mm. I think that's the distinction for me. Like, you may still come and experience racism because absolutely you're black and you are living in a racist country. But, like, the difference is my ancestors helped to build this country, Mm. so I'm I'm owed. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, so that, and and what you're saying, a lot of it, that uh, Dr. Tillery goes on to say, which I think we're speaking to, Black American descendants of slavery have a distinct ethnic identity because of our distinctive origins in the community that was enslaved in the United States. Mm. So basically, it, it would be kind of unfair, unwise to be like, we've had 
all these same similar experiences um, just because of our race. Right. We need to consider the eth- ethnic identity. Because we are different, right? I mean, I think uh, race is one thing, but like when I think of my friends who I went to med school with, when a baby is born, when uh, they get married, depending on, you know, what what um, tribe they're from, their cultures are different. I don't have a naming ceremony, you know, mm. when my son was born. And so the, the experiences and the culture and the beliefs and the shared values are different, too. And so that's why I think it's important to distinguish. Um, I mean, obviously, again, we once we're in America, we have a similar experience in the present day. But for me, it's more about the historical. Um, and, and, and this is another thing, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but like we talk about anti-black racism, right. Mm -hmm. And, and how it's prevalent, not only in the U S but throughout the globe. And I think that's real and it's important. And it's so important, um, that I think we often forget some of that, that blackness, that anti-black racism is internalized and um, also directed outward. Mm -hmm. So you feel some way about either yourself or your population, right? Like saying, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to hire a black business. You know, they're Mm -hmm. not going to have their stuff together, stuff like that. But also it pervades, I think, the globe. So there have been many people that I've heard that are from certain countries in um, Africa, like West Africa or East Africa that will be quick to say, oh, no, 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 African-Americans are X, Y, Z. They're lazy. Mm-hmm. They, you know, steal. Because they, they're they seeing the same images and hearing the same thing that other people hear too. And so while I think um, anti-Black racism is so prevalent, I, I think there's also a space in there for anti-African-American racism. Because, you know, you see those same kind of things from the mouths of people that are from different countries, um, but share the same skin color as you or from the African diaspora. So I think it's interesting to think about those things too. Also, uh, another thing that uh, you're speaking on is I think when we get to the kind of difference of experiences Mm. that um, when we look at um, ADOS Mm -hmm. and um, Black American immigrants, Mm. uh, even whether they've been uh, in America for a long time or a short time, there are some differences and some things that are highly valued, such as um, uh, median median wealth immigrants who are living in America mm-hmm. um, make on average ten thousand dollars more. Yeah, and they usually um, have uh, greater levels of education as well, and so economists and researchers have answered the questions of why oftentimes and and it can vary from like the brain drain Mm -hmm. to um, different kind of motivations and also how oppression and the history of oppression affects um, ADOS differently which is another reason for ADOS activists to push for why reparations Mm -hmm. should um, go to descendants of slaves. Yeah, and I think the reparations conversation is important, but like I mentioned to you with the med school thing and like thinking about um, who has access to higher levels of education. And I think other med schools and probably other professional schools and grad schools struggle with this, right? You have, let's say your class is 20% black, which would be amazing, right? 
but you know, let's say 19 out of the 20 people, if you have a class of a hundred are not at all African-American or mm. ADUS at all. They are from all different countries all over the globe, which again, I think is important, but where's your commitment to the people who have helped build your state, your country, mm. who's, you know, the institution that you have kicked the community, community who live there out for, you know, like mm-hmm. where is that? And I think that that is important to distinguish. Yeah. And as, as we're talking, I think it's also important to note that ADOS has come with the term and the activism has come with some pushback because mm-hmm. it's been also seen at times as anti-Black immigrant. Mm-hmm. Xenophobic. Exactly. For example, um, even saying like Kamala Harris, Joy Reid, and folks that basically have um, non-American lineage that mm. they're also like not worthy of certain things. And mm. so um, while I don't want to paint the brush of like all ADOS activism looks like that, mm-hmm. um, there is this critique and maybe some shady side that people um, might see or come across if they're kind of doing their own research with ADOS. And that's true. Like how do you decide? Are you ADOS enough, right? Because we've heard the the phrase like, are you black enough? You're not black enough. Um, Don Lemon was a victim of that, as mm-hmm. we said. So Kamala or anyone who's had an African-American parent and a non, let's say a non-ADOS parent, mm. are they ADOS? You know, and, and, and some people would say no. Some people would say no because their, their exposure and their experiences still might be different, their culture, right? Mm. So if Kamala's mom is um, uh, Indian and her dad, let's say her dad was ADOS, but he wasn't. I think he was Jamaican, right? Um, then she actually isn't because the experiences she has through her Indian mother or South Asian roots somehow still make her experience different than um, an African-American person who's a descendant of slave or slavery. So I don't know. What do you think? Like if you're, if you have two sides, you know, if you've got two different paths from your family, if you're... ADOS from your dad and I don't know something else from your mom what do you what say you uh I think it something that mom has always said like if you have one drop in you you are black like it's hard I think right because this is where we get into the nuance of conversation right because we're not saying just because you're not ADOS doesn't mean you haven't been oppressed right for, for being black right and like I think in the vein that mom said, like if you have one drop, you're 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 black kind of thing, meaning that you've been oppressed by racism, the power and the structure of racism. However, <laughs> that doesn't mean that also your ancestors helped to build the country and the states as as you're saying. So I don't know because to be honest, I think I have some. I need to, there's some xenophobia that I'm working through. Mm. And I think the conversation is a little, I'm unwilling to accept the easy logic that um, you built the country, um, therefore you should get resources and like, oh, you suffer from oppression, but you didn't build build the country. And so you don't. Like, like to me, it's a warning. It's like, hey, this could be your bias. Like you need to, mm-hmm. you need to um, kind of dive in a little bit more, and maybe 
there's a better answer or an approach to the nuance. Because logically, I'm like, yeah, like, like the ancestors of slaves should get it. But, um, and that's not to say that we shouldn't also work on uh, breaking down other societal ills so that we all rise. I'm just, I'm just trying to be aware of any bias that I have seeping in. But honestly, <laughs> I do still lean to the side of, yeah, it makes sense. You, you, you were, you were, you were oppressed. You were slaves. Like for example, well, no, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna bring up the comparison. Never mind. <laughs> Are you are you holding back though? Well, I don't think I'm holding back. I think what I was going to do um, is bring up like the idea of um, uh, Jewish folks in Nazi Nazi Germany. Okay. Um, and what they'd be entitled to. However, I think like sometimes that can be people bring up the Holocaust and the survivors of the Holocaust mm-hmm. in comparison to other groups in ways that to me are insensitive. Mm. And I think, and people do the same thing with slavery, the mm-hmm. American descendants of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in order to be sensitive to both walks of life, I think I just won't, won't go there. Be, yeah, exactly. Oh, look at you. Yeah. I'm trying to grow and be better. <laughs> Um, this was a couple of years ago, but this conversation just makes me think of the blogger, um, Lovey. Do you remember that? Vaguely. I remember you bringing this up. So I don't know. She threw some shade at Tevin Campbell, which uh, I love Tevin Campbell. I was saying my birthday, we share a birthday. Mm. So people didn't like that. She came for him. Mm. And what started as a, I think a conversation about a singer (laughs) from years ago turned into this whole conversation about who's black and who's African-American and who can comment on African-American culture, who should have a seat at the table or a a spotlight on the stage, if you will, and who should sit down and shut up. And so I think a lot of people felt like, um, and I think actually she is, her, her lineage is, um, not only Nigerian, which I think is her background, but also I think she's got an African-American uh, parent as well. Um, and so I think people came for her and was like, you're not really African-American though, so you need to sit down. This is not your culture. Um, and and she got a lot of backlash and this whole conversation really started, I think around 2018 with respect to her. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, how you how you feel about people like I think that's when you were talking about like there's a little flag coming up, you know, for you. Yeah. With respect to xenophobia, I think in some ways I saw that play out a mm. lot from those conversations. Like I think that you know, her comments turning into this whole bigger thing. Mm. That to me is a red flag, right? Yeah. Like, okay, because she's not Nigerian American, she can't throw shade right. at some aspect of African American culture or a singer or whatever. That was weird to me. But I think the the larger conversation has merit, or I'm interested in entertaining the larger conversation, For not sure. when it's used to be like, you know, you don't belong. Yeah. How do we navigate? these questions that are at the nuance of oppression in a way that's sensitive and I don't want to say politically correct because that has charged connotations, but mm-hmm. I would just say with humility, mm-hmm. how do we navigate those questions with humility, but also being like, 
like honest like as you said like the way in which you think they're um given it so much noise might be rooted in xenophobia but they're are parts of this conversation that we need to have. Yeah. And so that comes up for like, how do we then have these conversations and do it justice? Yeah. And then the other thing is, as you talk about Lovey, is I think about a very, a very, a mentor, a very close mentor that I have who she cannot stand. She is tired of all these um, British black people mm-hmm. um, playing uh black american roles and, and i know they're not it's not exactly the same because they're they're british or whatever but mm-hmm. i think it's interesting because we talk about representation and things so like mm-hmm. for example the uh actress i can't remember her name that played um harriet tubman uh oh, uh-huh. uh elfer i'm said that wrong for I'm sure. the wrong person to have that I have yeah. no idea yeah, what but, actress uh, is but. and uh, 12 Years a Slave like it mm. has r- routinely come up because like this is a very uh, specific experience right oh, and so are you also like giving away like this job that should be for an ADOS black actor, actor. right or, you, yeah yeah that's- Oh, that's a that's interesting. And so, so I think about like the nuances of these things, but they're probably like, "Hey, we found someone black. Like, <laughs> we're we're, Check. we're still uh, hiring white actors and actresses <laughs> to play Egyptians, it, so, right? And at least in blackface. Yeah, that's so that's an that's an interesting point because it, it goes back to my point about the med school thing. It's like. Are you checking a box? Or are we really trying to get back down to thinking about equity mm. and thinking about reparations, not only in the terms of money, but in the terms of education and access and power and opportunity? Because if we are, I would say if we're measuring, if we would actually measure that, I don't think we're doing a good job. Mm. I mean, we're doing a bad job as it is for folks of color in those spaces, but even worse, I think, for those that are from... Um, African-American households. And it just also makes me think about, I've always struggled with this. And I think now I'm in the research context, even worse, the the intermittent use of, or the the interchangeable use of black American and African American. Mm. And I see that a lot and I see it even more now that I'm in a research space. And I try to be super intentional. Like, am I talking about African-American people? Did I ask if they were African-American? Or am I talking about black American people? And I've actually changed my writing to say black American when I don't know. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I, to me, it is a different culture. And it's a different, um, like, I'm not going to lump everybody in as an African-American person if they are not. And I, and I noticed my colleagues, um, you know, like in the research space, will use either word. Yeah. And part of it is because some of the research is flawed in that we don't ask. We don't separate it out. Mm-hmm. We say, are you black American or African American? Check the box. So everyone is checking that box. Right. right? Whether they are or not. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're Nigerian American. Right. Or if you're, you know, from Britain, yeah. but you're black, you're black uh, Afro-British person, what do you, you know, what do you do? What do you say? Well, you know, and I think you bring up a, a great pause moment where I really want our listeners to hear this because I think, you know, before I left Ohio, mm. I thought there was only one kind of 
Black? Like, 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 if you were black racially, you were African-American. There was no, like, I was like, okay, but, like, you're African-American. And I think as you talk about research and things, and this is something for our listeners, right, um, that, one, if you see a person of darker skin tone that is brown, <laughs> right, it, 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 the safe thing would be to refer to them as black. Right. And not African-American because it really wasn't even until I went to like Columbus, we had, uh, there's a huge Somalian population, mm. but I would probably, I would, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even think of their ethnicity. Right. Right. You just call them African-American. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, 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 it works, but, <laughs> but this time, but I wouldn't even think of it. So again, Biden doesn't have reparations on his agenda, at least it sounds like he didn't uh, want to align himself in that way. And now, but he's elected. So maybe, maybe that'll change. But in the meantime, what do you think we should have our listeners think about in either supporting getting reparations on the political agenda or other ways to support the ADOS community? Yeah, I think it's important, right? We're doing this pretty much because it's Black History Month in answering this question. And a lot of y'all are probably going to spend time Googling and trying to find a unique MLK quote or Malcolm X (laughs) or something for your Black History Month um, checkbox. But there, I think, are better ways to support um, the Black community, specifically the ADOS community. Mm. And I think one of my favorites that I've really, um, really took on myself um, is supporting local black owned yeah um a a reason that i have done that one like in my 30th i made people will have to buy uh black owned local or local and you got extra points if it was both yes after my own heart um because i live in a predominantly black community as well and it's so i think important to spend my money there Mm -hmm. i really made a um cost to spend my money there to want to help build the infrastructure, but especially at a time right now with COVID where mm. people are really struggling and black folks are, um, there's a huge disparity in not only COVID uh, and um, diagnosis, but also in vaccination of uh, vaccines mm. being available. So. Our listeners should stay tuned for a bonus episode <laughs> that's going to drop about COVID Ooh. that features Dr. Nevin Heard, but hey. okay. I see that. Yeah. What about you? What are some things you think our listeners can do to really honor not just black history, but ADOS history? ADOS history. Ooh. Go watch Roots or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I echo what you said. I think there's a lot of um, important, like, importantness with with respect to economics. Mm. And I think when we talk about generational wealth and the lack thereof, I think starting a business is literally hard enough. Mm-hmm. And if you're struggling now because of the pandemic or because of racism or yeah. all of the things, I think that is a really good way to think about how to um, to help the ADOS community. But also other things like policies. We know that policies disproportionately impact you know, people of color and probably even more so ADOS folks. So I would look into policies that are important in your jurisdiction and if there are things that are disproportionately impacting black folks namely ADOS folks like school funding or a zoning or you know environmental hazards Mm -hmm. then go and advocate against 
those things and try to actually make a change for those communities and and work alongside them as they're making the change for themselves too love that raise their voices yeah well I've enjoyed listening to what you had to say <laughs> thank you I've enjoyed listening to what I've had to love, say too no, just kidding <laughs> love that uh, to our listeners, as always, make sure you stay bold. Stay bold. Bye, guys. <laughs>